Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Matthew 13, the Bible says in verse 44, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth the field. Let's look at the very beginning of the passage, Matthew 13, the beginning of verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field. Now, we have a few errors we're going to handle tonight. Number one, uh, there's an error that is taught that says that the treasure is the gospel and the field is the scripture. I'm going to show you tonight from the Bible that that is not the case. That is not true. The treasure is Israel. And the field is the world. We've talked about the world many a times. Uh, Look at verse number 24, if you would, in Matthew chapter 13. The Bible says, another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. Verse number 24, we already preached on this. What's being sown? Seed. Where is it being sown? In the field. What's the field? The world. Look at verse number 25. While men slept. His enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. So that same field, which is the world, is being oversown by Satan with tares. We talked about that. Out in the world, you've got wheat and tares. You can't tell the difference. You've got Satan sowing tares out in that world. The most obvious definition that comes from the context of this parable is in verse 38. The field is, what does it say? The world. We, we spoke about that. But right now, for, the, for this evening's discussion, we are in between weeks. We're in between prophetic weeks. Daniel's 69th week, which ended at the cross. And we have one more week of fulfillment, which is Daniel's 70th week. And so we are in between those weeks. And so right now, Israel, the nation, is dispersed. And when you see the treasure in this parable, it's referring to Israel. Now, the Lord, he bought the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? We know that. First Peter 1, not redeemed with corruptible things. What are we redeemed with? The precious blood of Christ. He shed out his blood for us. Matthew chapter 4, what did Satan offer Jesus Christ? He offered him all the kingdoms of the world. If he would do one thing, bow down and worship him. You know what controls this world system right now? That'd be Satan. You know who is controlling this world system when Jesus was walking the earth during his 33 and a half years of being here? Satan. Now it was relinquished to him because Adam fumbled the ball. And it was relinquished to him because God had allowed that. But Satan said, you bow down and worship me. I've got an offer for you. All the kingdoms of the world. Go to Colossians 2. Because Jesus said, I got a better idea. 
How about I purchase it? Let's go to Colossians. See what the Bible says there. Colossians chapter number two. The Bible says in verse number 14, we need to be in Colossians two, verse 14. The Bible says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. That's all of our trespasses, all of our sins. Christ took care of for us where? And took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. That's what he did. And watch what it says in verse 15. And having spoiled principalities and powers. The powers of this air, the principalities of this world, he spoiled it on the cross. And he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Ephesians 6 talks about the principalities that are ruling this world right now. Christ purchased it, the kingdom. All the kingdoms on the cross. He purchased us. He purchased his church. Christ did it all on the cross. Yes, 1 Timothy 1.15, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Yes, he, he, he did that on the cross. Yes, Christ did purchase the church with his own blood. He shed his blood on the cross. Yes, but he also purchased a field. What is that field? Israel. That field is Israel in this parable of Matthew 13. He is going to gather Israel. He is going to redeem that nation Israel. And he is going to establish the earthly kingdom that he promised that nation. He is going to do that. The main error that we, not we, but we as Christians in America fall into, or you can even say Christians worldwide fall into is this. They think they're Israel. They're not. The promises that God gave that nation are not promises that he gave you and I as believers in Christ. Those were covenants. Those were promises that God gave a nation, a physical nation. We are a spiritual nation, not a physical nation. That's why Galatians 6, 16, you know, it talks about, we talked when we went verse by verse in Galatians, it talks about the Israel of God. That's what we are. People say, well, Galatians 6 says we're Israel. Yeah, it does. It says we're the Israel of what? God, not Israel of the flesh. There's a difference. The Israel of the flesh is not us. We are the Israel of God. But there's a distinction. That distinction needs to be drawn out in the Bible. We are not a national Israel entity. And so therefore, this treasure in Matthew 13, let's go there again and look at it. Matthew 13, 44. Like I said again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure. The treasure is not the gospel. The treasure represents Israel as a nation. Israel's a nation. So I don't believe that. All right, go to Exodus 19. Keep your finger in Matthew 13. Go to Exodus 19. I've just been told that it's it, the treasure of the gospel. And okay, well, let's go to the Bible and see if we can't get some additional context to draw a dividing line. Exodus chapter 19, look at verse number one. The third month when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt. Who's in context? 
Israel. It's pretty clear from verse one, right? Look at verse number five. Go all the way down to verse five. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then shall be, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure upon me above all people. See what they were called back in Exodus? A peculiar what? Treasure. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, speaking of the nation of Israel, they're called a treasure. A treasure. Um, get, get Deuteronomy chapter 14. Deuteronomy chapter 14. And while you're at it, might as well get Psalms 135. Deuteronomy chapter 14 and Psalms 135. Watch what the Bible says. We'll do Deuteronomy 14 first. Bible says in verse 2, Deuteronomy 14, 2. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself. You know what he said in Exodus 19? You're a peculiar treasure nation of Israel. You know what that nation is made up of? People. You know what he calls them in Deuteronomy 14? A peculiar people. This group of people this nation of made up of people are considered a treasure. In Matthew 13, that parable of the hidden treasure, that treasure is the nation. Look at Psalms 135. Psalm 135, verse number, uh, let's start verse number three. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises unto his name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself and Israel for what? His peculiar treasure. Everybody see that? Back in the Old Testament, we've got it pretty clear. Now, why? Go back to Matthew 13. Here's the question. Why is the treasure hid in the field? In the parable in Matthew 13. What did we say earlier? We, be, we are between weeks. Israel is dispersed. They're apostate. Christ offered that nation, the kingdom. They rejected him. Right? His own received him not. And so this hidden treasure, it speaks of Israel's rejection of the kingdom. You don't have to turn there. I wrote the verse down. But Deuteronomy 32 in the 28th verse, it says, For they are a nation void of counsel. Neither is there any understanding in them. Oh, that they were wise, that they understand this, that they would consider their latter end. A rebellious nation, they're apostate. He came unto his own and his own. Received him not. All right, we in Matthew 13 still look at the 44th, uh, 44th verse. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, well, who's the man? See that? The which where a man hath found. And so some say, which is not correct, well, this man is just, it's an awakened sinner. It's an elect sinner. It's a sinner who's sought and found, but it's not. 
I know I've gone over this many a times when we go through Matthew 13 and these parables, but look at verse 24 again. Look at this. The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man. And what is he doing in verse 24? He's sowing good seed. Who is that man? Look at verse 37. He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. In the first and second parable, it's not a sinner getting saved. Everybody see that? First parable. Sower. Man. We see it as Christ. We're sowing seed out there. It's, it's, seed is the word of God. Jesus Christ is the word. It's not an elect sinner. It's not a sinner that's now. See, that's not. That's not the context of the parable. The man is Christ. 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 Matthew 13, verse 44. This parable is not talking about personal salvation. This is. I. I, I still don't. I don't. I don't see it. I don't see it. Okay. Let's look at verse 36. If this man is supposed to be someone seeking salvation, and when you get to verse number 36, if this man is supposed to be somebody seeking salvation, and if the treasure is the gospel, and if the field is the scriptures, which I don't believe that it is, the field is the world and the treasure is Israel, and the man is Christ. But if this is a man seeking salvation, and the treasure is the gospel, and the field are the scriptures, then answer me this. Verse 36, then Jesus sent the multitude away. Why would he send the multitude away? Aren't we to go out into all the world and preach the gospel? Don't we want to bring it to the multitude? Of course we do. If the treasure is the gospel, you don't hide it in the field. That makes sense. You don't hide it. What do you do? The gospel is hid to them that are lost. What do we do? We shine it upon them. Treasure is Israel. Treasure in this parable is not the gospel. If it was the gospel and you found it, then this parable is telling you to do what? Read it. <laughs> Read verse 44. What is it telling you to do? He hide it. Why would you hide the gospel? You wouldn't hide the gospel, would you? Because that's not what it's talking about. It's not what it's talking about. This parable is not talking about personal salvation. Then you're told, watch what it says in verse 44. And for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. Now, if the field's the world, which it is, <laughs> What are you going to go and buy? What, what are you going to go and buy and sell? The world? No. Believers aren't out trying to buy the world. We've been redeemed out of that world system. Does that make sense? Okay. So we see in Matthew 13, verse 44, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth. All that he has and buyeth that field. So we have a purchase of a field that is taking place. 
Go back to Exodus chapter 15 and Deuteronomy 32. Exodus 15 and Deuteronomy 32. All right, Exodus 15 and Deuteronomy chapter number 32. Exodus 15 and Deuteronomy 32. While you're, while you're getting that, this purchase of a field, I'm going to read you a passage of Scripture. 2 Peter 2 says, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them. You were bought with a price. I was bought with a price. And, okay, so. Are we Israel? No. Were we redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus? Yes. Did Jesus purchase us with his own blood? Were we bought with a price? Yes. But who else did Jesus purchase? Who else did God purchase? Exodus 15. Exodus chapter number 15. Verse number 16. Exodus 15. Verse number 16. Uh, back up to verse 15. And when the children of Israel saw it. So we're talking about the children of Israel. Very clear. And then it says at the end, this is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. Okay, so the Lord here is in view. That's a better way to say it. Watch what the Lord purchases. And here, what does it say in verse number 16? Oops, I'm in, I'm in chapter 16. I am sorry. Same, uh, same idea, same context. Uh, Israel's in view. Look at verse number 16. Fear and dread shall fall upon them. Who's that? Israel. By the greatness of thine arm, they shall be as still as a stone till thy people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over, which thou hast what? Purchase. Purchase. There's a treasure. The Old Testament calls, the Lord called them a peculiar treasure. And that treasure in the context here and in the context of Matthew 13, that treasure is Israel. Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy 32, verse number six. Do you thus requite the Lord, O foolish people and unwise? Is not he thy father that hath bought thee? It's a question mark. But the answer to the question is, yes, of course he bought them. God purchased the Israelites too. And this parable in Matthew 13, 44, this treasure, go back and look at it again. Look at it. We have, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field. That's the nation. That's the nation of Israel. That's treasure. And then it says, the which when a man hath found. That would be a man finding a treasure. 
did Christ come down to earth and live in the form of a man for 33 and a half years? Yes, he did. Did he bring a, mes a message to the Jewish people? Uh, yes, he did. And when he spoke to that Jewish audience, he said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. <laughs> did they accept him? No, they rejected him. And what happened? He hideth. <laughs> that treasure is Israel. The man finding that treasure, Christ comes down to the earth. They're there. And then it goes on to say, watch what it says. The which when a man hath found, comma, he hideth, comma. You have a man hiding the treasure. What is that? That is Christ's judgment of them. That is their dispersion because of their rejection of him. And so they're dispersed and abroad throughout all the earth. That's what they are now. There's a treasure, Israel. Christ came down to earth as a man. He findeth the treasure. He told them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He offered it to them. And then it says he hide it. Why? Because they rejected him. Now they're dispersed. And we are in between weeks. He's put them aside for a time. We're in between a 69th week and a 70th week. And then he says, and buyeth that field. Man purchasing the treasure. Jesus Christ. The whole field. That's his death on the cross. His death on the cross. Does he possess that treasure yet? No. He doesn't. Not yet. Not yet. He purchased it. It's not in his possession. Yet. Go back to Amos. All the way back to the book of Amos. You come past Daniel. And keep flipping. Hosea, Joel. And then after Joel. You'll, there it is. You'll come to the book of Amos. And I'd like you to get the ninth chapter. Of the book of Amos. Amos chapter number nine. This is a prophetic verse. Speaking of the possession of the treasure. Amos chapter number nine, look at verse number 14. And I will bring again the captivity of my people of Israel. And they shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards and drink the wine thereof. They shall also make gardens and eat the fruit of them. And I will plant them upon their land. And they shall no more be pulled up out of their land, which I have given them, saith the Lord thy God. You know what we have in Matthew 13? We are dealing with the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven during the church age when Israel is in a state of unbelief. And they will remain in that state of unbelief. In between these two prophetic weeks. 
but there's a man coming again. <laughs> and when he does, there will be a conversion of a nation, not an individual. We're between weeks. Now it's an individual thing. Somebody says they're a Jew, you preach the gospel to them. It's a one-on-one -on -one individual thing, souls. But there is a nation that Christ will convert. God will convert. And that nation will turn to him. That nation will be redeemed. And that's what we're talking about here. The man Christ Jesus is coming to obtain that treasure. And they will get their land. Now, there has been a shift in parables with this one. The first parable, it was a failure. In the sense of only one in four yielded anything good. And then that fruit we saw, the harvest declined in numbers. Some 100-fold, some 60-fold, some 30-fold. And you know, what, you know what Jesus is saying to the disciples? Hey, fellas, look, don't count on results. Well, gee, thanks, Lord. That's real encouraging. Only one in four. The second parable, you have the world is oversown with tares by Satan. And you know what the Lord tells the disciples? Look, it's going to be sown. There's going to be tares that are going to be sown out there by Satan. Here's what I want you to do. Nothing. You can't pick them out. Well, gee, thanks, Lord. <laughs> I want to tell him, look, I'll deal with it when I come back. Then the third parable. You have branches that are allowing shelter for uh, Satan's agents. We have external corruption. And he tells them, look, they're going to be lodging in the branches thereof. <laughs> that parable of the mustard seed. And the Lord's telling them, you it's going to expand faster and there's going to be more results of that come from that than come from what you do. In other words, external corruption will abound. Thanks again, Lord. <laughs> Thanks again. And then we talked about last week, that fourth parable, parable 11. That's all about internal corruption. We finally get a good meal. And you're telling me that it's going to be corrupt from the inside out and leaven's going to corrupt that whole meal? Yep, that's what I'm telling you guys. Again, thanks, Lord. <laughs> but the parable we're looking at tonight, the hidden treasure, and then next week, I'll save some of this stuff for next week with the, with, with the pearl. Christ brings the disciples aside. He brings him aside. He says, look. I will not fail. I can see how you guys might be discouraged. Only one in four. And now out in the world, tears are growing up. and We can't even pick them out, Lord. <laughs> and then there's going to be all of these, uh, this expansion of people using your teachings Yet the gospel will never be uh, claimed or named. And they're going to be lodging in all the branches. And there's going to be external corruption. And then we finally get a good meal. And that's going to be corrupt from the inside out. It doesn't look like any of this is going to work, Lord. He shifts gears. He pulls them aside and say, hey, look. I will not fail. 
And he reveals himself in this parable that says, hey, that nation will be redeemed. I will take care of my people. You don't have to worry about professing Christians, external corruption, internal corruption. All you have to do is sow seed and you have to know this. My plan will not fail. My promises will not fail. And I purchased a treasure and I'm going to possess that treasure and that nation will be taken care of because I'm taking care of it. So don't you worry. So there's a shift now in God's reassuring them. Look, I've got it. You don't have to worry. Now, next Thursday, Lord willing, we'll look at the parable of the pearl and we are going to see the second half of how the Lord is going to encourage them that, hey, I've got this. You don't have to worry. My plan's not going to be. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.